Pashad. Check your trim set. Check your heading north. Light heading is 074. Check your altimeter set. 2946. Corrected set of point elevation. Zero feet. Check your barrel running zero. Check your STS 1230 3034. Check your fuel. Check your speed up. Lights out. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Costa Renegade Aviator back for another week. This week we had um, an air show right up in the Tahoe Truckee area. If you went to the air show yesterday, it would have been July the 14th. I would love to hear your comments on the show. Give me a call, 888-366-5256. That's my office, 888-366-5256. Tell me what you thought about it. What did you like about the air show? Maybe what didn't you like? This is a show about aviation for sure and a lot of the ways people come in contact with aviation today especially is through air shows air shows are one of the most popular forms or one of the most popular spectator sports or spectator events out there they draw huge crowds young and old higher than average education higher than average income people love airplanes and air shows are a great place to go see them so i like to hear what it is you like in air show acts what acts impressed you the most what is it you want to see i talk to air show performers air show promoters air show sponsors and so um, you can help me out and in turn i'll try to help you out you have any questions about what you saw and want to see more of certain things or learn more about certain things um, as it has to relate to aviation give me a call 888-366-5256 coming up in this show some aviation tales that sometimes prove that truth is really stranger than fiction that's coming up next Right now, listen to this. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector. Over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Tower radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Huh? Who? Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 
866-5256 anytime and leave us a message. I had to sit on the runway for 40 minutes. That's a story in America. Folks will listen to that story. Folks will stop doing the dishes. Oh my God, how long did you have to sit on the runway? They made us sit on the runway for 40 minutes. Really? What happened after that? Did you fly through the air? Incredibly? Did you partake in the miracle of human flights and chip out it the whole time you were up there? David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Tales, aviation tales that prove that the truth is sometimes really stranger than fiction. Listen to this. It's called Spitfire Ride. On February 14, 1945, leading aircraft woman... Interesting. Let me read that again. On February 14, 1945, leading aircraft woman Margaret Horton, an RAF, WAAF, was assigned a familiar job sit on the horizontal stabilizer of a Spitfire to help hold the tail down while it taxied on a windy day. Interesting job, right? Unfortunately, nobody thought to tell the pilot, Flight Lieutenant Neil Cox, that she'd be jumping aboard. Horton later admitted that the squadron was run in a slap-happy way. The normal drill was for the tail sitter the tail sitter, I didn't say that wrong, to grab the aircraft's elevator and waggle it before the pilot turned onto the runway so he'd know she was hopping off. But this time, Cox made a casual gesture out of the cockpit that Margaret took to mean, hang on, don't go yet. Big mistake. As the Spitfire accelerated down the runway, Horton had the good sense to quickly flop across the tail cone where she was held in place by the vertical fin, her legs to the right and her torso to the left. Another WAF, who seen what was happening, dashed off to tell a flight sergeant who ran to the control tower. Cox was ordered to make a quick circuit and land, but he wasn't told why. Between Horton's death grip on the elevator with her left hand, plus the Spitfire's tail heaviness, Cox had already figured out that something was amiss, but he couldn't see as far aft as his airplane's empennage. That's the tail section. Relieved to be back on the ground, Horton announced that after a change of panties and a cigarette, she'd be good to go back to work. What a girl. She was later fined for losing her uniform beret during the short trip around the pattern. There you have it. Um... I don't even know what to call that. I'm never flying Delta again. You're flying! <laughs> Look out the window, it's crazy! You're sitting in a chair in the sky! You're, you're like a Greek myth right now. <laughs> but it doesn't go back very far, and it's squishing my knees. Really? Crusader fail. On June 21st, 1963, Marine Lieutenant Cliff Judkins 
was tanking from an Air Force Boeing KC-97 over to Pacific on his way from California to Hawaii when the automatic shutoff valve on his F-8 Crusader failed and the internal fuel bladder burst from the pressure of the still-flowing fuel from the tanker. With flames streaming from the big vault fighter, Judkins tucked in his legs and jerked the canvas face curtain to eject nothing happened. He quickly pulled the alternate firing handle between his knees, but still nothing. Now Judkins' only choice was an old-fashioned bailout. Nobody ever tried stepping out of a Crusader with its vertical stabilizer a tall machete after the cockpit, but Judkins trimmed the ship to skid, manually jettisoned the canopy, and at 220 knots and 15,000 feet was quickly sucked out of the cockpit. His troubles weren't over. When he pulled his parachute's D-ring, Judkins got a streamer. The little pilot chute deployed, and the shroud lines pulled out normally, but the main canopy remained an unopened bundle, wrapped like a moth in a spider web by the shrouds. Judkins fell nearly three miles into the Pacific, the streamer slowing his uh, terminal velocity plunge by perhaps 10%, likely still a good 110 miles per hour straight down. He survived the fall with two severely broken ankles, a fractured pelvis and vertebrae, a partially collapsed lung, and various lesser injuries. Four years earlier, after Judkins had been in a bad automobile accident, he had his spleen removed during surgery. A doctor later told him that if he had still had his spleen, the fall from the F-8 would have killed him when the impact ruptured it. Be thankful for small favors. Crusader fail. Hey, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Listen up. If you're a company that wants to get your product, your brand noticed, then you need to be at air shows. Quite frankly, that's where you need to be. You can get such unique opportunities by sponsoring the Renegade Aviator our radio show, and our air show team, our jet air show team, by being a sponsor, you're going to reach people more efficiently, more effectively. You're going to drive new business. You're going to cultivate new relationships, and you're going to create alliances and build your brand. Air shows attract large crowds. The radio show that I'm doing now goes hand-in-hand with our air show effort to give you and your company unmatched visibility, unmatched and unrivaled brand recognition. We want to help you grow your business. We put together not just an air show team, not just a radio show, but an entire sales and marketing operation to help you promote and grow your business. You need to get some information from me. Give me a call, 888-366-5256. Air shows attract the high-quality, high-caliber demographic that you want to reach. Trust me on this one. Hundreds of thousands of people show up at large air shows. We will be in front of millions of people. If you want millions of contacts, millions of touch points, you found the right place. Call me, Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator, at 888-366-5256. Let's talk about... Hitting the afterburner with your business. Give me a call. I like bears, a spike with pain, and music is my arrow.
questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations, call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message. Well, here's another one that truth is stranger than fiction. This one's called Seatbelt Fastened at All Times. There weren't many old BAC 111s still flying in 1990, but one of them, British Airways 5390, was en route from Birmingham to the Spanish island of Malaga on June 10th. It was a sunny Sunday with 81 happy beachgoers aboard when the entire pilot's side windscreen blew out as the 111 climbed through 17,300 feet. The captain, Tim Lancaster, was almost instantly sucked out of the opening. He'd removed his shoulder harness after takeoff and loosened his lap strap, but fortunately the backs of his knees jammed against the top of the windscreen frame while his feet were caught under the yoke of his control column. Stuart Nigel Ogden, what a British name that is, Stuart Nigel Ogden, who had just entered the cockpit, grabbed, the, grabbed Lancaster by his legs while the first officer got the airplane under control. Ogden was on the verge of being drug out as well when a second steward reached the cockpit and secured him with a strap from the captain's shoulder harness. By this time, Lancaster had slipped sideways from the roof of the cockpit and his bloodied head was flailing against the left side window. The crew assumed that he was already dead. His eyes were wide open, Ogden recall. I'll never forget that sight. Lancaster was actually comatose and his system shut down as a result of the incredible shock and the excruciating cold of the high-speed slipstream. A second steward eventually had to relieve Ogden, who was frostbitten and losing his grip. And by the time the airplane landed at Southampton, England, Lancaster was being held only by his ankles. He, in fact, survived with a fractured arm and wrist, and his first words after being pulled back into the cockpit were, I want to eat. 
just like a pilot, Ogden reportedly said, it was soon determined that that an overworked mechanic had used undersized bolts on 85 of the windscreen's 90 hold-down fittings. Ladies and gentlemen that work on airplanes, please check your work. That's the purpose of a, uh, a good mechanic team. Evidently, this one wasn't too great, but the pilot survived. Strange but true, David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. We'll be right back. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Discount Airline Pilot Guy. Mr. Discount Airline Pilot Guy. Your minimal experience flying a plane will never land you at a reputable airline. Luckily, you don't work for one. Look at me, I'm flying. Sure, we're concerned for our lives. Just not as concerned as saving nine bucks on a round trip to Fort Myers. The most direct route to Houston? Through Fort Lauderdale, with layovers in Detroit, Vancouver, and Kalamazoo. I can't feel my legs. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh skipper of disguise. You put the fly in fly-by-night operation. Mr. Discounting Line Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256, reading you some stories that are amazing, but true stories, and proof that sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Free fall. On Christmas Eve 1971, a Peruvian Lockheed L-188 Electra Lanza Flight 508 en route from Lima to the small Amazon jungle city of Pucallapa came apart in a thunderstorm. A lightning strike ignited the fuel tank and the fire caused the right wing spar to fail. The spar is the big eye beam that connects the wings to the fuselage of the aircraft, for those of you that don't know that. The four-engine turboprop had been cruising at flight level 210, 21,000 feet, and the flaming pieces fell unseen into a 15-square-kilometer area of the tropical void below. There had been 86 passengers and a crew of six. All but one were killed. The sole survivor was a 17-year-old high school senior, Julianne Kopke the daughter of a German zoologist and his wife, a Peruvian ornithologist. Julian's mother, sitting next to her, died in the crash of Lanza 508 while Julian's father awaited them at the destination. Two things were remarkable about the crash. How Julian survived it and how she then saved herself from death in the jungle. Julian had her seatbelt fastened. When the airplane came apart, she fell, still strapped into the window seat, while her mother and the aisle seat occupant fell free. This three-row seat helicoptered down. It spun like one of those maple, those little maple seed sacks, right? This thing kind of helicoptered down and landed in an area of jungle with trees interlaced with vines that cushioned her fall, believe it or not. The teenager had broken a collarbone, suffered deep cuts, and all but lost her vision. Her eyes were so bloodshot and bruised in the fall that she could hardly see. 
Juliana spent a good part of her young life with her parents in the backcountry of Peru, and they had taught her survival skills. One lesson was that every rivulet of water flows into a brook, then into a stream, then into a tributary, and eventually into a river. Dressed in a miniskirt and wearing just one sandal, barely able to see, Julianne followed the water. Twelve days later, it led her to the destination where her father was waiting for her. You can read more about this. There's actually a, uh, it's a documentary. It's called Wings of Hope. And if you go to YouTube, you can probably find this thing. It's posted as a series, but it's a true story. Wings of Hope, story about a girl that survived the fall, the only survivor out of 86 passengers and a crew of six, crashing into the jungle, strapped into her seat. Amazing story. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. We'll be right back. One more time, Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. I'm giving credit to these little short uh, snippets, these little short stories I'm reading you to historynet.com. That's where I found these. I hope you enjoy them. Call my office. I'm here to be of service to you. And I know I sound like a broken record, but it's important to me. Uh, we're receiving great feedback already from the show. This is... Uh, you know, this is a show, it's a labor of love, but it's a show where I give back. This is a show about aviation for sure, but this is also a show about going after your goals and achieving your goals and becoming a person of excellence. It all fits in with aviation real well, and it's also here to be entertaining. So that's what these stories, I like using stories because stories tell a better picture than some monologue. There's a lot of information I could be giving you on this show, but what I really want to do is keep reminding you to call my office because if you're a pilot or not a pilot, if you have an interest in aviation, or maybe you just fly on airliners, maybe you're a seasoned aviator, maybe you're an aircraft owner, you need advice on taking care of your airplane or getting it maintained, I can help you. Call my office, 888-366-5256. Okay, this story is called Liberated Liberator, a consolidated C-87. The cargo version of the B-24 took off at 1 a.m. on February 9, 1943, from West Palm Beach, Florida, bound for the Azores en route to North Africa. The crew leveled the Liberator Express at 9,000 feet, but the pilot was barely able to maintain altitude. Worse, the elevator and rudders began to vibrate violently through the control column and rudder pedals. With the airplane only about 90 miles east of Florida, the pilot initiated a return, and the crew lightened their load by tossing out baggage and cargo. By the time they were inbound and descending just 10 miles east of Miami, the C-87 had become so uncontrollable that the pilot ordered the crew and passengers to jump, then followed after turning on the autopilot. Presumably, he didn't have enough control to turn the airplane seaward rather than leaving it on course towards the heavily populated Florida coast. The Coast Guard and several civilian boats pulled six of the eight jumpers from the water, but two were never seen again. Meanwhile, the C-87, having shed another 1,500 pounds of its load, shrugged its aluminum shoulders and climbed back to altitude, now heading west and under the control of the autopilot. 
if its tail surfaces were still vibrating, it didn't seem to bother George. That's what we call the autopilot, by the way, George. About four and a half hours later, after crossing the Gulf of Mexico, the C-87 had traveled 1,300 miles and reached Zaragoza, Mexico, 25 miles southwest of the U.S. border. For two hours, the Liberator Express carved lazy orbits over the Mexican town and finally crashed into a nearby mountain. Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Airport Baggage Handler. Mr. Airport Baggage Handler. Why just set a bag down when you can throw it, kick it, or simply ignore it? It's time for my lunch break. SFO, ORD, LAX. The complex airport codes are almost unsolvable. But that's okay, because thanks to you, everything's going to Tulsa. That's in Oklahoma. When comforting a traveler about a lost bag or a treasured family pet, you need only remember three simple words. Airline not responsible. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, O oh king of the carousels. You give us all a reason to carry on. Mr. Airport Hey, this is Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator, and I've got an opportunity for pilots in the area around Reno, Carson, Minden, Gardnerville. If you're a pilot and you'd like to be involved in a partnership on a really cool airplane, then you need to listen up. Take down this number, 888-366-5256. We are putting together a group, and I've done these multiple times. These things work. This, we're going after a Yak-52. Google a Yak-52 if you don't know what it is. It's an aerobatic airplane, two-seat, has a military look and feel to it. Has a, It's a Russian airplane, uh, tricycle landing gear, easy to fly, fly some pretty nice aerobatics. This is an opportunity for a very limited number of pilots to get involved in a professionally managed professionally maintained and operated aircraft that you can simply fly around, take your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend somewhere, and we'll teach you how to fly aerobatics. Um, This is, I, I love flying aerobatics. I've been flying aerobatics for years, but there's really not any other way to own an airplane unless you do it the way we do it at Renegade Jets. So give me a call. 888-366-5256. Find out the details. This is the most inexpensive way to get involved in an airplane that you can call your own. Spots are very limited. We have a high bar. We're going to ask you a bunch of questions. But if you've got the wherewithal for less than the cost of a used car, you can be flying a Yak-52 professionally maintained, professionally managed, and yeah, if you haven't learned how to fly aerobatics, I'll teach you myself. 888-366-5256. Get more information. Yak 52, part of our flying club, put together by my company, Renegade Jets. Stranger Than Fiction, aviation stories from HistoryNet.com. He's out, he's in. 
During a dogfight in January 1918, Royal Flying Corps pilot Captain Reginald Makepeace bunted his Bristol F-2B into a steep dive, and the negative G's tossed his gunner observer Captain John H. Headley out of his seat. The RFC didn't issue its airmen parachutes in those days, thinking it would make them less aggressive if they had such an easy out. So Headley was doomed. Or was he? Headley fell several hundred feet, but so did the F-2B. Gunner and airplane somehow came together, and Headley found himself clinging to a flat-topped half-fuselage of the fighter. He managed to crawl back to his pit and went on, apparently nonplussed to score 11 victories before being shot down and imprisoned two months later. Makepeace himself had 17 victories scored with his forward-firing guns, so they were literally a deadly duo. After the war, Headley became an American, moved to Chicago, and at least for a while made a living billing himself as the luckiest man alive. Had he instead moved to Berlin, he'd have to share the stage with First Lieutenant Otto Berla, who on May 24, 1917, had been the observer aboard an Albatross CV, when a sudden bout of turbulence bunted the airplane's nose down and popped an unbelted Berla up and out of his rear seat. He and his airplane briefly formatted until a second updraft forced the tail up again, just in time to meet the rapidly descending Burla, who punched feet first through the plywood skin turtle deck just after the cockpit. Very happy to be back on board, Burla rode back to the base in his new temporary office. There you go. No parachutes for you uh, in World War I. Interesting. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, will be right back. Call my office, 888-366-5256. This is Kirby Chambliss two-time Rebel Air Race World Champion. I'm on the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. And we're back again. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Reading you some stranger-than-fiction aviation stories from HistoryNet.com. HistoryNet.com, that is who gets credit for these. The next one up is called Cable Guy. Carol Rex Bird, cross-trained as both a pilot and a radio man, was a crewman aboard a Grumman JRF-5 Goose on September 21, 1943. The small twin-engine amphibian had just been transferred from the Navy to the Coast Guard and was en route from Naval Air Station New York at Floyd Bennett Field to Coast Guard Station San Francisco. Bird, 26, never made it to California. A farmer picking tomatoes near Kratzerville, PA, heard the goose overhead and looked up just in time to see what he thought was a mailbag falling from the airplane. The mailbag was Bird, who hit the plowed ground and bounced eight feet back into the air. The airplane, to the farmer's amazement, simply continued droning westward. Had Bird been a suicide jumper? Had he been pushed? Fallen unnoticed through an unlocked door or hatch? The story that eventually came to light was that Bird had told the pilot he was going to fix an inoperative radio antenna and had pulled himself out of the cabin door onto the airplane's roof to work on the aerial in flight. 
When he hadn't returned in 20 minutes, a crewman poked his head out and saw the bird was gone. That remains the official version, yet it seems strange that the goose pilot didn't at least assign a crewman to more closely monitor Bird's crazy mission and immediately seen that he had fallen and that the crew had apparently reported the loss rather casually. It took days for a Navy accident investigation team to identify Bird and figure out where he'd come from while the goose continued to California. Kratzerville farmer later found a yard-long piece of metal in his tomato field that may or may not have been part of an aircraft antenna. Was Bird gripping it when it broke off? We'll never know. And maybe we should chalk this one up to, there's a war on, we have more important things to worry about. That doesn't say in the story, though, did he live? Did he even live? I doubt he did if he bounced eight feet in the air. Anyway... The Cable Guy on HistoryNet.com. All right. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Be right back. And we don't appreciate the people that fly us around. We just think they're stupid. You get on a plane and go, well, we're a little bit delayed because of the uh, weather. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. I can see out my little window that it's fine. None of us respects these people. Oh, every pilot is an amazing person. Nobody gives... Even that pilot, Sully, who landed the plane on the Hudson River and saved a bunch of lives. And even once he did it, he got no credit. Everybody said, that was a miracle. That's what everybody said in the whole country. That was a sign that God is watching us, that he... No, I think it was the pilot, maybe, who trained his whole life. And then the day came, and he nails it, and everybody goes, no, it didn't matter. It could have been a child because God was there guiding the plane. No, God threw the birds in the engines. Attention business owners. Did you know what a corporate jet can do for your business? If you think it's an extravagance that you can't afford, think again. A business jet is a time machine. Get more done in less time. Be more efficient. Take people with you. Better than the airlines, we reach over 5,000 airports across the U.S. We put together very closely held ownership groups. It's ideal for the medium or small business that may not be able to afford and operate a corporate jet on their own. But by working with a company like mine, Renegade Jets, we can put together the right mix of people with the right kind of jet aircraft. You know you always wanted a jet. That is the symbol of success, right? But the that corporate jet is not just a status symbol. It, yes, it shows that you've arrived, right? That you've had some success. Clients like this, but you'll be able to get to your clients and see your clients more effectively, more efficiently, uh, with less hassle. And as I said before, a corporate jet is a time machine. How valuable is your time? If you'd like to get more information on how you and your business can take advantage of these limited opportunities that we have right now to put you into a corporate jet for less than you might imagine, give me a call, 888-366-5256. This is what we do. We know how to do this. We've done it a number of times. It works, and it's a great stepping stone to get you into a corporate jet of your very own. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888 888- Three six six five two five six for Renegade Jets. 
Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Doctor, I've checked everyone. Mr. Stryker's the only one. What flying experience have you had? Oh, I flew single-engine fighters in the Air Force, but this plane has four engines. It's an entirely different kind of flying, altogether. It's, it's an, an entirely, entirely different, different kind, kind of flying. flying. Besides, I haven't touched any kind of plane in six years. Mr. Stryker, I know nothing about flying, but there's one thing I do know. You're the only one on this plane who can possibly fly it. You're the only chance we've got. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Okay, we're back. David Costa, Renegade Aviator. Call my office, 888-366-5256. 888-366-5256. Leave me a message. How can I be of service to you in your quest in aviation, how can I be of service? To, I'm, I'm thinking as I go here. How can I, I? I all I want to do is help you. New to aviation, been in aviation a long time. You have a question? Let me help you. Eight 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 three six six five two five six. Even if you're not a pilot, give me a call. You might have a question about why does the airlines do this or why does this happen every time I fly? A, you know, commercial or maybe you have a question about. Uh, chartering an aircraft or using an aircraft for business, or maybe you just like to start taking some pilot lessons. Maybe you want to learn how to fly a glider. Maybe you're a pilot that owns an aircraft. You want to learn about maybe how to maintain it yourself, or maybe get your questions answered on the best shops to take it to. Uh, Maybe you have make and model specific questions, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Anything related to aviation. And wait a second, hold on. News flash. I might even allow people to ask me questions about drones, although I don't consider drone pilots pilots. Um, call me if you disagree, 888-366-5256. Um, I can help you with drones. Believe it or not, I'm a drone or I'm a UAV pilot as well. So anything I can do to be of service to you, I've been in aviation a long, long time. I've flown hundreds of makes and models of aircraft, and I'm not an expert. You know, I, We all like to think we're experts, but I know enough. Um, to help you. So 888-366-5256. Anyway, where am I going next? Here's a quick story. Pardo's push. On March 10th, 1967, after a bombing run near Hanoi, that's in Vietnam for you people that don't know your history, Air Force Captain Robert Pardo used his F-4 Phantom to literally push his wingman's badly damaged F-4 to relative safety over Laos, where both pilots and their backseaters then ejected and were rescued. You heard me right. He pushed another airplane with his fighter. Captain Earl Armand's Phantom was holed by any aircraft fire, and the damage drained most of his fuel. Knowing that Armand would run dry within minutes, Pardo had him jettison his braking parachute and then tried to put his F-4's nose 
into the small tail cone cavity left by the departed chute. No luck, too much turbulence directly behind Armin's phantom. So Pardo then had Armin drop his tail hook and maneuvered behind and under Armin's airplane until the hook was snug against the base of Pardo's windscreen. The slightest lapse in airmanship would, of course, have put the big steel bar straight through the glass and into Pardo's face. This guy's got some guts. Even though Amon had by now shut down his engines and Pardo was flying on only one with his other engine afire, Pardo's push got the job done for almost 90 nautical miles. Without the help from behind, Ammon's engine out glide would have ended well inside of North Vietnam. The Air Force wasn't pleased, however. Pardo had uh, lost not one but two airplanes and was rebuked for his poor sense of economy. T- typical Air Force, right? Bob Pardo may well have known about the similar maneuver attempted, attempted by Captain James Risner over North Korea September 15, 1952, for it was an honored part of, of U.S. Air Force lore. Like Pardo, Risner found himself with a wingman losing fuel through a tank holed by ground fire. Both were flying F-86 Sabres, so Risner told First Lieutenant Joseph Logan to shut down his engine while Risner maneuvered the nose of his Sabre into Logan's tailpipe. He tried pushing Logan to a safe runway in South Korea, but ultimately only got him over the sea. Jet fuel and hydraulic fluids streaming out of Logan's engine bay threatened to flame out Risner's engine, so he had to disengage. Logan bailed out but drowned. Risner survived to become the first double recipient of the Air Force Cross as a uh, F-105D pilot and then a POW during the Vietnam War. But again, the Air Force chastised him for attempting a dangerous maneuver. These guys are heroes. Excellent story. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Be right back. So I got a bone to pick with this new Independence Air. Apparently they're easy to use and they have really low fares. Where's the comedy in that? Then you find out they fly great schedules to major cities and small markets, which of course is convenient. Then their people are trying to be more helpful and flexible. You know, this could be the end of airline jokes. Oh, maybe not. This is Dennis Miller. Save now at flyeye.com to 35 cities this summer. Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Call me with your questions. Call me with your comments. Call me with your suggestions. My show is a service designed to help you. No matter what question you have about aviation, let me help you. I'm here to help. It's my way to give back after all my time in aviation. It's my way to give back to the next generation of aviators. It's my way to give back to the current generation of aviators. And uh, I hope you have fun with this radio show. But the work begins when you call me, 888-366-5256. I'd love to help you out, and I'd love to see you out at the air shows. We fly a TS-11 Polish Iskra. Iskra means spark in Polish. 
It is a uh, military jet that has seen over 50 years of service in the Polish and Indian Air Forces. This is a really cool jet. Come on out to the air shows. You'll see us out there, Renegade Aviator. Uh, Now, let me just read you this. Stranger than fiction. Luftwaffe Ace. Eric, I can't pronounce his name. It doesn't matter. Let's just call him Eric. The pilot of an out-of-control ME-109 was probably dead when the Messerschmitt's wing sliced through the fuselage of the B-17F named All-American over Tunisia on February 1st, 1943. But the collision nearly did the job that Eric's silent guns couldn't. The bomber's left horizontal stabilizer and elevator were sliced off, and the entire empennage was barely held in trail by a few pieces of aluminum. The crew considered their chances, either bail out over German-held ground or try to make it back to base. They decided to stay with the ship, knowing that if the tail did come off, their chances of getting out of a gyrating bomber were probably nil. Lieutenant Kendrick Bragg, the pilot, slowed down the flying fortress to 140 knots to keep the tail from literally wagging itself off and flew as gently as possible back to Biskra, Algeria, his base. After circling for some minutes while the rest of the formation landed, Bragg made a careful approach and touched down normally, though without a tailwheel. An ambulance wheeled up to collect injured crewmen, but Bragg waved it off. Not a single person was hurt. All-American, undamaged except for the ME-109 slash, was mated to the tail of another grounded B-17 and actually flew for years after this. Uh, Although people said it flew really slow and it was a horrible handling airplane at that point. Anyway... The airplane was finally scrapped two years later. Internet accounts of this all-American B-17 incident are filled with a lot of other imaginary details. Some describe the airplane as continuing on its bombing run after the collision. There were some people talking that it returned to base in England, which is like 1,100 miles away. Some reports say that the tail gunner remained at his station because his weight was the only thing stabilizing the tail. Anyway, it goes on and on. None of that is true, but the truth remains stranger than fiction that these guys flew that airplane back with the tail literally hanging on by a thread. Outstanding. Anyway, another story for you. How about that? You like this? I'm like a storyteller today. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator, and I've got an opportunity for pilots. If you're a pilot and you'd like to be involved in a partnership on a really cool airplane, then you need to listen up. Take down this number, 888-366-5256. We are putting together a group, and I've done these multiple times. These things work. This, we're going after a Yak-52. Google a Yak-52 if you don't know what it is. It's an aerobatic airplane, two-seat, has a military look and feel to it. Has a, it's a Russian airplane, uh, tricycle landing gear, easy to fly, fly some pretty nice aerobatics. This is an opportunity for a very limited number of pilots 
to get involved in a professionally managed, professionally maintained and operated aircraft that you can... There's really not any other way to own an airplane unless you do it the way we do it at Renegade Jets. So give me a call, 888-366-5256. Find out the details. This is the most inexpensive way to get involved in an airplane that you can call your own. Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message.